We're just doing now, and the storytelling a moment ago is very much what church is about. You know, it's so important, just this connection, and, and we see it over and over again. And I know from the wedding yesterday, people that were there were impacted by um, the relationships and the depth of friendships um, between families and things because they're seeing Christianity in action. These Katie's family who've lived together in that way, um, just just being Christian, just sharing life and journeying. So keep keep relating. Don't dare come along and slip out at the end and go home without talking to someone. And if you see someone on their own, go and sit with them. You know, just take the time to build a connection with them because this is what church is about. It's, it's community. God wants to not just increase our head knowledge or even our heart knowledge. He wants us to do it in community. <clears throat> oh, boy. Uh, my voice. Hey, I, I came across a story that um, uh, it's really a joke um, that, I, that I just want to start today with. And obviously it came out before coronavirus because it's about a plane on its way to Toronto when a blonde in economy class gets up and moves to the first class section and sits down. And the flight attendant watches her do this and asks to see her ticket. She then tells this woman, this blonde, that she paid for economy, she's going to have to go back to economy, and the blonde replies this, I'm blonde, I'm beautiful, and I'm going to Toronto, and I'm staying right here. So the flight attendant goes to the cockpit. She goes to the, the boys in, or girls in charge and, and says to the pilot and the co-pilot, there's this blonde girl sitting in first class that belongs in economy. She won't move back to her seat. So the co-pilot gets up and he says, I'll deal with this. And he goes out there and he tries to convince her that that's what she has to do. But she gives him the same line. I'm blonde, I'm beautiful, I'm going to Toronto and I'm staying right here. So he goes back to the cockpit and he says to the pilot, hey, maybe we need to ring the police so that when we get there, we can have her arrested. And the pilot goes, oh, look, he says, I, I, I can deal with this. He said, I'm married to a blonde. I speak blonde. So he gets up and he goes and he whispers in this woman's ear and she goes, oh, oh, I'm sorry, and gets up and goes back to economy and he goes back to flying the plane. And the flight attendant and the, the, um, the co-pilot said, what did you say to her? He says, I just told her that first class wasn't going to Toronto. <laughs> so my apologies to all you blondes. <laughs> it's a joke. It's not how I feel about blondes. <laughs> but it illustrates that we, we need to know where we're going, and we need to know stuff about our lives and, and what's happening uh, around us. Today's topic is revelation. I want to speak on revelation, and I want to give you a gentle prod about this, because I know that you'll be like me. You easily slip back into just doing the right things or going through the routine, but God wants us to live by revelation. Now, we can't do anything about coronavirus. What 2021 is going to have for us will happen. We can't do anything about the American election. What they're doing over there is happening, and that's it. We, don't, we can watch and kind of scratch our head and say, wow, I didn't know that was going to happen, but we can't do anything about it. But we can do lots about our life in 2021. We can do lots about our Christian life in 2021. So have you been asking God about 2021? Have you been saying to him, God, is there anything you want to say to me about this year? 
and then listening to see what he says back to you. You know, do you, do you clearly under, uh, connect with God's voice? Do you know when he's speaking to you? Because the more you are listening for his voice and hearing his voice, the better you'll understand his voice. And you'll know other voices, and you'll know when it's just your voice, maybe. Because there's always faith involved, isn't there? You know, you're 95% sure God's just spoken to you. And God's watching to see whether we obey. Will you do what I just said to you? Will you follow through with what I've just said to you? And there's this 5% where you go, I think it's God, and you step out into something new and something good that's there. But do you know when God is communicating to you? You know, I know there can be seasons when it seems like the heavens are brass and God is silent and it seems like he's not speaking to us. Sometimes it can be these things, and these things we can do something about. It can be unbelief. It's easier for all of us to believe that God speaks to other people than to believe that he's actually going to be speaking to me in 2021. And we can do something about that. We can, we can pray. We can ask God, God, I do believe. Forgive my unbelief. And we can step into hearing his voice in a new way. And remember, he doesn't always speak immediately. He says, ask. And the ver- tense of the verb is ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking. Seek and keep on seeking. And we will, he will speak. But sometimes his timing is a little bit later than we would like it to be. But there's a promise in the scripture that he will always speak to us. And it can be because we're over busy, because we're attempting to do everything on our own. If you've got a plan for this year already, and you know what you are going to do, God might just say, well, if you're going to do that, I'll watch. It's good to have some gaps where we say, God, I need you in this, or nothing much is going to happen. And it can be because we're tired and frustrated or angry, and God's speaking, but our ability to hear is on mute. And we're not getting it clear. It's like, it's just, it sounds like I might be hearing, but mostly I'm not. And we need to unmute. And the beginning of the year is a great time for that because hopefully you've had some restful time. Whether you've gone away or whether you've stayed, hopefully you've had some time where you've just had some me time or some together time and some God time. And that refreshment comes into our lives. And somehow that helps us to be able to hear a lot better. Is that true? And sometimes it can be because of pride and sin and disobedience, and that just shuts down receptivity. And that means that where we know, as Sandra started this morning of talking about, a sin gets in the way, and we have to repent, and we have to say, God, I did do this, I did think this, I did say this. And, and God, I'm sorry, I ask, for you, ask you to forgive me. And it's amazing when we do that how the voice of God can come back into our lives. But I want to say to every single person who's a Christian here, you have heard God's voice. If at no other time you heard it really clearly when you came to Christ. So I want to ask you, how did he speak to you? What did you sense? What did you hear? What did you feel at that time? Because that was God speaking into your life. You know, for me, it was like thunder. He said to me, you can't get to heaven on your brother's faith. And it just rocketed into my mind, and I was completely undone, and I ran out of church. How did God's voice sound to you? 
Because unless you take the time to say, I'm going to find out for me what it's like to hear God, then you will stay at the level of Christian living and Christian experience that you're at now. Do you want a repeat of last year and the year before and the year before that? Well, the difference is often getting into the, the Logos, the, the Word of God, but also into the Rema of God, the voice of God, the hearing of God. And the Logos of God, the Bible, we need to be in that. And often God will speak through the Bible, won't he? But the Rema of God, when God speaks a word, has to be judged by the Logos. So we need to know the Logos of God. These are the Greek, Greek words for the word, word. We need to know the Logos of God so that we can judge what, what we've just heard and we believe to be God. And if it matches up with Scripture, we can go, okay, this is, this is kind of scary, but I'm going to step into it. And I want to say to young people, young, the time in your youth is the time to prove God. It's the time to get really real with Him and decide, God, if you're real and you've spoken to me, then I want to hear your voice more and I want to do what you say. And as you do that and step into things that God speaks to you about, he will come through. And you will change, and your life as you go forward, the whole trajectory of your life could change because you capture a rima and you step out in faith. Do you want to get to these people's age <laughs> and not have adventures in God to tell the next generation coming through? Often it's because we haven't listened enough. We haven't been aware that God wants to speak to us. Now, my premise today is that many of us have heard the voice of Jesus by the Spirit, and then we've settled back into just living by biblical principles. Things like tithing. You know, I started tithing not because God spoke to me, but because the Word of God says we should tithe, and my brother spoke to me. He said, this is what you do, now you're saved. <laughs> but I saw it in the Word, and I've done it, and God has blessed me and blessed us and, bl and looked after us in all sorts of ways because of that. But it's so easy to live by the principles of what we know from the Scripture rather than the higher way which Jesus expected the normal Christian life to be where we're actually hearing from Him and, and doing it. You know, Grant Brewster is a friend of mine. He used to pastor a Baptist church that's now Grace uh, Beach. And, and he felt God talking to him that their church was to buy that supermarket. So eventually he got a flight to Wellington and he made an appointment with the, the supermarket chain. And he went up there and he spoke to them and he said, I believe God's telling me that you're to tell me your supermarket. And this is my little bit, but I think he said this. And it's got to be cheap. And he did that a couple of times until they got the message from God themselves and they sold him the building. Grant had another story that scared the pants off me. Don't imagine that. It's a saying. It's a saying, all right? And, and he said, I really felt God was saying to me, go to, you're to go to America. Now, Grant loves America. He's been pastoring now in America for for. 15, 18 years or so. But he said, God, I've got no money. God said, go to the airport. And in those days, we're talking 35, 30 years ago, um, there was ticketing that could happen at the airport itself. He said, go to the airport, get a ticket and with your family, and you're to go to America. And so he said, I've got no money, but I drove to the airport. I parked my car in the long-term things. I, I, um, 
I walked, got into the queue, and the queue started to get shorter. Can you place yourself in this, in this scenario? God's just spoken something to you. 95% of you said, that's the voice of God. 5% is saying, you idiot, get out of the queue. <laughs> Grant said he got closer and closer and closer till the person in front of him who was the next one that would have been served said, oh, I can't be bothered with this, turned around and either gave him cash or gave him their ticket there and then. Hearing the voice of God and following through opens up amazing things for our lives. I'm sitting there when Grant was telling me that, laughing, just, just absolutely, oh, it's such a cool experience. But inside I'm saying, God, don't ever, don't ever send me there. <laughs> I, that's a bit, a bit extreme for me. Um, but, but that's what God can do. Now, hearing direct from Jesus is revelation. And revelation is the supernatural communication of truth to the mind by God. It's like at times God will just switch on a light bulb. I don't know if you've had this experience very much at all, but all of a sudden you, you're, you're maybe you're not thinking about a particular thing or maybe you are thinking about it. The light bulb goes on. It's completely clear and obvious. And then the light bulb goes off. And you either got it or you didn't. I've learned to get out of bed Get a pen and paper and write it down in the night. Otherwise, I wake up in the morning and I said, I really feel God said something to me, Sandra. She says, what did he say to you? And I say, I can't remember. <laughs> it's like the light bulb is either on or it's off, but it's revelation that comes from God. You know, we'll have a look at some scripture on this. John chapter 10. And the context of this is John chapter 9. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, good. And he's telling, he's, it's, the man's been born blind. Um, the Pharisees call this man that's been healed. He was blind from birth, and he says it's Jesus. The Pharisees don't want to hear about it. They, throw, they, they, they command him to leave the synagogue, the temple, and, um, and then he meets with Jesus. And Jesus has a few words to say to the Pharisees, and, and uh, now he goes into this uh, particular passage. And I love the way that truth is multi-layered in the Bible when we're, when we're reading it because that's the context of the story. But within the story is the story about the good shepherd and the sheep being able to hear God's voice and follow the shepherd and, and, and they know his voice and they know him. And so they're safe. They're just following him. So that's the part we're picking up. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter by the sheep pen, the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way as a thief and a robber, he was basically saying, You're the, you guys are the thieves and the robber. You are not to throw this man out of the temple. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. Would you say that with me? The sheep. The sheep. Listen to his voice. This is normal Christianity. Sheep will listen to the voice of Jesus. We're the sheep. He's the shepherd. We're to know his voice. We're to know it to the extent we were hearing it regularly. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them uh, out. And when he has brought them out, out, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Normal Christianity, following the voice of Jesus, 
hearing his voice on a regular basis, and we have confidence for going into whatever he says to us because we're used to his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him or her because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus gives this, used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees didn't understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate, and whoever enters through me will be saved. He changes the imagery there. It's a really interesting phrase. And, and they will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I've come that my sheep might have life. Say life. life. No, no, life. life. Yeah, we're talking about life. The kind of life that's big and expansive and, and, and abundant that Jesus promises to all, his, all Christians. Life. And have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees a wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock, the church, and scatters it. And the man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd, Jesus said, and I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And so Jesus likens Christians to sheep and himself to the guy who's, who's looking after those sheep, the shepherd. And it's an Israeli farming picture, not a New Zealand picture. If, if We don't know a lot about sheep unless you come from a, a background of, of a farm. But in New Zealand... Not many sheep follow the farmer's voice. They might follow the daughter. There might be one little pet sheep that will follow his daughter, but most don't follow the farmer's voice. We drive sheep with dogs and whistles and horses or mostly motorbikes these days. And they're driven from behind and they're kind of pushed to get going in the, in the New Zealand setting with, with sheep. And there's large flocks. But when I was in Israel three years ago, I actually saw some shepherds. And it was like, wow, does that still happen? And there were guys that I saw, or a guy and then another one in another situation, who were shepherding a small bunch of sheep. And they weren't pushing the sheep and driving them. There was no dogs. There was no vehicle. The shepherd was out in front. And yes, he had a staff. He was walking with that. So it's allowable for the occasional prod. But the sheep were just trotting along behind because they know his voice. They know his singing voice. And look, I think whether they ship, the sh I don't think the sheep mind whether it's tone deaf or, you know, they just know the person and they follow him in that kind of way. And that's the image that Jesus is saying. Our Christian life is like that. He's that kind of shepherd, which means he was just in front of you when you got out of bed this morning. He's just in front of you now. He's leading you because he loves you, because he cares for you. And he's probably speaking more to you and me than we're hearing because we haven't got our antennae up. They're often down. It's one of the things that worship will do. It will help us to get them, even if they're a bit rusty, up. I loved Katie in her wedding yesterday because whenever anything good was said about her, yes, <laughs> both arms up like antennae. 
She was just so happy to get married. It was a cool time. And Jesus is just in front of us. What's he saying to you? Where's he leading you? You know, when I was in Israel, again, look, our paddocks are 100% better land than Israel. But God chose that land. When I was there, I was going, God, why this land? New Zealand's miles nicer. Why didn't Jesus come to New Zealand? You know, he could have had the Canterbury Plains. Come on. When you, you, the, the, the many fields are just full of rocks. There's rocky outcrops that are over here and over here. They've got enough building material to build um, stone houses for generations. They won't run out. There's lots. And if, we, if, if the Israeli shepherds were just driving the sheep like this, pushing them fearfully, having to go forward, a lot of them would go clonk. But following the shepherd, they just go around the obstacles, and he takes them into beautiful pastures, it says. And what he's saying there is for the normal Christian life is God will lead you if we're listening to his voice, and he'll lead us into good things. He'll lead us into abundance. He'll lead us into peace. He'll lead us into places that have plenty of food. He'll lead us into financial provision. He'll lead us into all the things that we need for our life. But the key is listening. It's not just knowing the principles and living that way. Yes, that's good. But the next level above that is following the voice of God of the shepherd by the Holy Spirit speaking into our lives. Are you with me? And it's in verse 10, he says, if you're listening in that way, I will introduce you to abundant life, the kind of life that I created you for, that's full and abundant and beyond. And if you're a Christian for many years and you haven't had times when you just sit back and you go, could it get any better? I love my life. Wow, look at what God has done. Look at who I was all those years ago, but look at what God has done now. That's That's the fruit of abundant life that Jesus wants to take us in. The key is, will we hear his voice? And then the real thing is, will we put our faith to that and follow through with the things that he says to us? You know, I remember when I just handed him my notice in teaching, um, and I was uh, with a friend of mine going, planned to go surfing in Australia for a number of months, and we, we hadn't kind of decided maybe it'd be three months, maybe it'd be a year if it went well for us. But we, we excitedly tendered our resignations to the, to the school and him to his work, and we were going to head off just after Christmas. And you know, the closer I got to Christmas, the more uneasy I felt. I just, oh, I'm not sure about this. There's, there's just an unease that came upon me. Because you see, God's language is not English. He doesn't have to speak in our, the language that we know. He uses all sorts of things to touch us, things that we could call prompts. So I'm getting more and more uneasy as I'm, as I'm about to head off surfing uh, uh, to, to Australia. And, and I realize that God, I, maybe God's saying to me I shouldn't go. And then three people who don't know each other, but all knew me, all came with a word and they said something like this. They said, John, we believe God's saying to us to tell you that you need, he wants you to go to Bible college. And three people came to, to me in that way. And so now I'm, I'm hearing the word through prophetic things that are coming into me as well. I've, I, but it's confirming what I'm already feeling in my life. 
I'm already feeling it in my heart and, and in, my, in myself that, I, that I, I need to say to my friend, look, I'm really sorry, but I'm out. I can't do it. And, and so I thought, right, I'll go to the most wilderness place I know of, which was Watapu Heads um, on the heads of the Manukau. And it was a terrible night, raining, but took a tent. And I got into the tent after pitching it. And um, it's not good to get into a tent without pitching it. <laughs> it's very cramped. Um, anyway, I, 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 said to, I said to God, God, um, what do you want me to do? And immediately he came back. I want you to go to Bible college and I want you to go to Zion Bible college. He even named the place that I was to go to. And so I thought, I wrote it down and I thought, okay, um, God, I haven't got all that much money. Can you afford me? Was my next question. And he said, I look after the sparrows and I know how many hairs are on the top of your head. There's less now. I know all of that. He said, if I can do that, I can look after you. And I went, yes. And he did, through the years of Bible college time that was there. And he absolutely changed the trajectory of my life. And if I had not been listening, if I had not been saying, ah, this feeling that I'm not supposed to go means that I need to do something else and I need to ask that question of God and then listen to what he says to me, would have to- I would have totally missed the plan and purpose of God for my life. And you know one of the great things that I would have missed? I met Sandra afterwards. I just happened to meet her at the end of Bible college time, and I would have missed my gorgeous wife. You see, God has an abundant, full life, but it comes as we get serious about our Christian walk. You don't want another year like last year. You want a year of Christian living where you know a lot more about what's going to take place and you go after it because you've been asking God. You know, Matthew chapter 16 is the classic revelation one where Jesus said to Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter replies back to him, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And, and John 10 is saying, us knowing stuff about our future is normal Christianity. Knowing stuff that we can't know any other way except that God told us about it. And the Bible's full of people who have examples of hearing God. And, and as I said, revelation is really closely linked to faith. And when God speaks to us, we need to man up or woman up and go, okay, God, if that's you, then I'm going to step into what you're saying for me to do. I've lived way too much of my Christian life, even as a pastor, living at the principled level um, way of operating. And the person who challenged me most about this was Paul Kingston Smith, who was part of this church when we came here, but shifted away a few, few years after that. And I asked him to do something on the stage one day as part of a service. And as part of that time, when he spoke to all of us, he said, if John is a man of God, I should hear John from time to time saying, God has told me. And I sat there and I thought, wham. I felt it like that. It was like, wow. God has told me. Morris would say the same thing many years later, over and over. 
And I realized, hey, I've, I've been just, I've drifted into it. I believed all this stuff early on in my Christian walk. I got saved in that kind of environment, but I just, I just didn't live there anywhere near enough. And so I, I decided I've got to, I've got to step up to this hearing the voice of God. You know, one of the defining moments of hearing the voice of God for me happened actually quite early on as I was an interim pastor. I, I was at Glen Eden Baptist Church. I was holding the fort, if you like, when the senior pastor had left, and I was there holding the fort for um, about a year. And the acting principal of Laidlaw College, um, a really esteemed, great, man, older man, um, was part of the church, and he pigeonholed me just before a service, and he kind of put me up against a pillar and a concrete wall. And so I was here with him really speaking quite strongly to me. And he started telling me that I should not encourage the congregation to, speak in, uh, to sing in tongues during a church service. And as a leader, his timing was terrible. It was just before a service that I was, I was going to be running. And he was pushing his interpretation of a difficult passage of Scripture that has several possible different interpretations. And then unexpectedly, as I was in that position listening to him, God spoke to me. And I love the way God says things because he didn't say this is the right interpretation. He just left that whole thing to the side, which he quite often does when we ask him things. He tells us something that seems to be left field but it's what he wants to get us onto. And really, with brevity, he said this. He says, as the pastor, you can design a church that you would like to go to. So I said to the acting principal of the Bible College of New Zealand, or Laidlaw College, I said, thanks for your opinion. I've got work I need to go on to. And we parted in reasonably amicable circumstances. John Wimber who was a church growth consultant. He's dead now, but in the 90s, he really affected the church worldwide. In his time as a church growth consultant, he, um, he did a survey and surveyed thousands of pastors and asked them, if you weren't paid to go to the church that you're pastoring, would you still go there? And the percentage who said no, I'd go to the one down the road who is, you know, does things in the way that I really believe was extremely high. And all of that just came flooding into my mind as God spoke these words. You're allowed to design a church so long as it's biblical. That, he didn't say that, but that's the understanding of it. You're allowed to design a church as a leader in the church, the, the, the acting senior leader of the church that you would like to go to. You see, if we're operating just on the truth level of what the Bible says, it leaves you vulnerable um, to... to um, interpretations, because often there are a number of different interpretations of, of what something can actually mean in the Scripture. It's not necessarily really um, straight and clear, and you can be pushed and swayed by people's opinions. But when God has said something into your heart, you know what to do, and there's a confidence that's there. And if you operate just on the truth level, uh, it still leaves you vulnerable to that inner need that we all have to be liked. None of us like to be not liked by, by anyone. These kids are great, by the way. <laughs> Love them. Um, 
if, if we're just operating on the truth level, we can kind of fudge it and say, oh, well, okay, you know, X number of people won't like me if I, if I say what I really believe and do what I really believe. But when God gives revelation, there's a confidence and there's a strength that will come into your life to stand up in your, in your staff meeting or to take a lead in your business and to, to make a call that needs to be made. And I've, as, by revelation, when God's spoken things to me, I would rather get fired for doing what I know is right than compromise and just allow something that's not right to take place. And since, so since that day when Paul Kingston Smith smoke, I've gotten really serious with Jesus about hearing him. And I've discovered he's talking far more than I'm hearing. And that journey of hearing him has been absolutely cool, really, really cool. You know, when I was just a young leader in, in church, um, the nudges came to, to work in the Sunday school. And so I did. I, I ended up having a career as a teacher because of the nudges of God to work in the Sunday school. I learned so much. Almost immediately, I found myself a leader in the Bible class and the youth group that was there. And I started um, worship leading because of the nudges of God. And, and the number of times that God just opened things up and, and showed that what I was doing was the right thing to do was what gave me the confidence to take the next step. When I became a youth pastor in the first year, I, I decided that we would do a... Um, or when I say I decided, I actually felt that we should do a, a, um, an outreach to Pawanui Beach um, and so we took a team of about 35 people down to the beach there, and people came from all over the stages and ages of the church to be part of it. And I felt completely out of my depth for the whole time until it was finished, and then I had the best holiday because it had gone well and people had got saved and, and the church just was coming alive, but only because I was listening to what I felt God was saying and 95% sure that it was right, and 5% in trepidation just going, okay, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. You know, I felt the same sort of way when God said to me, I want you to take a, a team of New Zealand Baptist pastors to Singapore. You know, God gave me a free trip to Singapore. He gave me a free trip to Korea as well. Only because I listened to him. I was worshipping one day and, and God spoke to me about going to Korea and that he would pay for it. So I stepped out and it worked. The things that God can do if we will hear, ask him, hear from him and step into it are absolutely incredible. So how do you move into this more? Well, I, this, is what, this comes back to you, not to me. I want to ask you, how do, how do you hear him? How does he speak to you? Many people say that he speaks to them a lot when they're jogging. This is a great idea. Mine goes into, you probably find that, Simon. Mine goes into neutral. Spirit of God goes, oh, he's not, he's not clamped down on his mind anymore. 
Others say that it happens most when they take their Bible and they go to a special place that they've set up and maybe a cup of juice or a coffee and they sit down, they begin reading the Word and then the Word starts to come alive and they get a rima from God uh, in that way. Others say God speaks to them most when they're out in nature and, and just being out there and looking up at the sky at night with no lights around at all, or whatever it is. But make sure you capture what God says to you in those times. Write it down. You know, for, for, I've already said worship is one of my ways, but really the way that I have found over the years that God has spoken to me most is the gap between being asleep and awake. Anyone else find that as a time when God speaks to them? Yeah, look at that. How many of you? Just put your hands up, because it's really interesting. Others of you, you need to just find that gap. It's a good time. And, and I've even had whole sermons get downloaded to me in the time between asleep and awake. It's an amazing time. The other day I got asked if I would uh, consider doing something that was a really significant role for our denomination. And I said, look, I'll, I'll think about it, I'll pray about it, and I'll come back to you. And when I woke the next morning in the gap between um, asleep and awake, I heard the, uh, a single word that just said, No! And immediately with that no was an understanding of exactly what that was for. And so I could ring the person and say, look, God has, I've, I've, I've prayed about it. God has spoken really clearly. I'm not your person, but someone else will be. But I would just mess it up if I was in that place. But it's because I've been learning, spending that time to hear God's voice. So I want to ask you folks... Just pop a, the next one up, if you will. Will you establish a routine of seeking and listening to God in 2021? Will you go for it? Will you do it? And then what was the last thing God spoke to you about? How far back do you have to go before you know that was a time God spoke? And, and then did you do it? Because maybe if you haven't done that, you're not going to hear much until you get that sorted. And will you ask him about what he wants you to do in 2021? See, church is, is led from the leadership level, but it is inspired from people hearing at their own level and beginning to do what God says. Let me say that again. Church is led from the leadership level, a structure and accountability, a, a, a guidance that's there, but it is inspired from what God is speaking individually into people's lives to be doing from the grassroots. I believe God's got great things for you and for me in this coming year. Can the band come, please?